0: Here we go. Thanks for joining, guys. Today we have Michelle Ann's joining us, and she's also a local doula here in Tennessee. And Michelle, go ahead and just say hi.
1: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Carmen.
0: No, not a problem. Thanks so much for joining. I'm actually really excited to join you. We've been trying to put this together for like two weeks now. And our schedules (laughs) just don't align, especially when you have kids, it can make it difficult to... Mm-hmm. do anything outside of like what you're almost required to do as a parent I guess is the best way to phrase that. <laughs> yeah I hear you. Hi good morning and welcome to A Side of Crunchy. I'm Carmen your host and each and every Friday we get together and talk about pregnancy birth and parenting all with a crunchy twist. So, um, we have a lot in uh, in common, um, being a doula is one of them, but I want to kind of jump in and start with our unassisted births and our, our babies were actually around the same weight. My daughter was nine pounds, four ounces, and your little one was nine pounds, six ounces. Can you tell us a little bit about the experience of having a bigger baby? Cause there's also, there's always a misconception with having a big baby and,
1: Absolutely. So, I actually really love that my second baby was bigger than my first because my first was seven pounds, 11 ounces, and he was um, roughly two and a half weeks over the estimated due date. And personally, I don't really go by due dates, they're kind of guesstimation dates because, I mean, <laughs> every woman is different, every baby is different, and you know, putting that lock time on a baby must come by such and such a date. It's just not really helpful. But anyway, so my guesstimation date, he was about two and a half weeks after, and he was seven eleven. And then my second baby, who was nine pounds, six ounces, came a few days before my guesstimation date. So I love that that was just a, a very obvious representation, um, because I know there's a lot of fear in the birth world of, well, if your baby's late, then it's just going to be too big, and you won't be able to you know, it won't be a, a good experience right. thing. So I was like, okay, guys, here's a here's a prime example. <laughs> one was two and a half weeks over and it was like seven eleven and one was three days early and she was nine six. So does like going later does not mean massive baby whatsoever.
0: <laughs> um Exactly. Or long labors is also yeah. attributed to it. My big girl was like two and a half hours start to finish. Like by the time I realized I was in labor. Yeah because I was the middle of the night so when I had her in my arms it was so fast
1: that's so beautiful yeah yeah my bigger one was faster as well um I think I'm trying to remember I was it was in labor on and off like 10 p.m till 12 um, my water had broken at like four or five in the morning um earlier that day and then labor didn't start to like 10 or 12, but it was really sporadic. So I like have some contractions and then I'd lay down and rest and then i have a few more and then I'd lay down. Um, but my like real labor was about midnight till, um, goodness gracious. I'm trying to remember if she was born like just before five I or <laughs> she was born just before six, but yeah, roughly like five or six hours from like my true labor. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, I, I think sometimes second babies labors can just feel more intense because they can feel faster but I wouldn't attribute that to like it was harder because she was bigger anything like that it was just my body was just more efficient and it was doing it faster (laughs) um definitely would not ever say someone should be worried about a big baby like our bodies are so amazingly designed to to birth what we carry (laughs) it's hard work no doubt about that but it's not anything exactly to be worried about so
0: and did your birth attribute to you becoming a doula or were you already a doula before you became a parent
1: I was I I actually became a doula I was either 19 or 20 and um kind of my passion for birth actually started when I was 11 years old and we were missionaries in Africa and I totally accidentally stumbled on a passion for birth when I like Walked into the maternity ward accidentally. <laughs> I didn't know there was a birth <laughs> going on, and like a couple minutes after walking in, there was a baby there, and I was just like, "Whoa, that was so cool!" <laughs> so for the next oh, wow. like, seven months that we were there, I I worked a lot with the midwife and the um, nurses there. And yeah, I just, I loved it so much. You could just not keep me out of there. (laughs) And yeah, that must have been an incredible
0: experience and almost once in a lifetime, because it's not something you come across very often.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember feeling frustrated because I was 11 at that time when I worked for like seven months with a midwife and then coming back to North America where birth is so, um, it's, it's so complicated, it's so overcomplicated. And it, you, yeah. know, you know, you have to have, you know, letters behind your name and you have to have it in a certain place, in a certain way, in a certain position. And, and I remember talking to a nurse and just being like, I, I want to be involved with birth and it's so beautiful. And I love it. And she was just like, girl, you're like 12 years old. Who are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> but um the experience in Africa was just so cool because there there just wasn't that do's and don'ts, right? It was just birth and it was beautiful. So yeah.
0: That's, that's you know, incredible. I, I boys. Believe... <laughs> I'm sorry, it cut out there at the end for me.
1: Oh no worries. I was just saying. Um, I just had to wait till I was older to get more involved in birth, and before people would take me seriously.
0: (laughs) An eleven-year-old. Excuse me, coming through. Got this. Probably wasn't as acceptable here. Um, I actually did not see any births until my own. Okay. Um, so I was twenty-one when I had her. Twenty twenty-one. Um, when I had her. And had never seen a birth before. I loved kids. And my mom were very Latin. And she was always like, if you could have been born and become a mom at the same time, that would have been you. (laughs) So all of my cousins who started having kids, um, I had one who started having kids fairly young. And I would escape my grandparents' house and jump over the fence to to go to the next street over where my cousin lived. And so I can go and just be with her kids. Yeah. That's so sweet. And, and, yeah, she was not the best mom and still isn't, unfortunately. Um, but it, like, I got to be a mom mm-hmm. through her, yeah. I guess is the best way to describe it, because I changed diapers, yeah. I did feedings. I mean, she didn't breastfeed, so I, I didn't even know that until I had my own. I had one cousin who breastfed, yeah. and it was for a very short amount of time, so mm. When I had, when I found out that I was pregnant with, with my daughter Faith, it it was like a, definitely an eye-opening experience because I felt like I was the first one in the family doing any of it. Mm. I had a midwife, I gave birth at a birthing center, yeah. I had no pain medication, and these were all things by choice, not that happened to me because I got somewhere late, yeah. and so my grandfather being the very traditional latin male who you know women's roles i mean he's changed a lot since me but um (laughs) i was the one who was like no we don't do things like that anymore but even nursing he would see me out of respect he would leave the room Mm. and then i got to the point that when i would go there i would i tried to cover up the best that you can because nursing babies don't always let you and I asked him one day does it bother you that I breastfeed and he's like no it doesn't bother me I'm proud of you for doing Uh what's best for your child and went on a whole spiel and that to me was just so reassuring Mm -hmm. that what I was doing was right and not something to be ashamed of because if a man who definitely felt that there was gender roles to understand that this is something natural and I shouldn't have to go into another room or cover up Mm. so now you know five kids in he's like there she goes like whatever and he doesn't really pay any attention to it so it you know it was definitely a a great experience for me Mm. as I had each kid and seeing how he developed with them and It's going to lead me into like gentle parenting and just parenting in general in our homeschooling that we also share in college. Yeah. Because I, some parents, like when you go somewhere, they make their child say hi or give a kiss or give a hug as a a form of respect. And my daughter Faith refused, he was the only Mm -hmm. one, refused to give him a hug or a kiss. Mm -hmm. And I was that parent, and I'm like, my grandfather's so amazing. Like, give him a hug and a kiss. Mm -hmm. Like, and she just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who told me, "No, you don't force kids. Mm -hmm. Kids will do it when they're ready." Yeah. My daughter did not do it until we moved here, like three years Mm ago. Our last Christmas here, she gave my grandfather the biggest hug and Mm -hmm. kiss, and he's like, "This is what I've been waiting for my whole Mm -hmm. life." Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when gentle parenting even became on my radar because I was such a this is how things go this is the way that we're going to do things and looking back like it was surprising to me that I was like that because how was I going to do all of these other things to be a good parent and to make better choices for them when they were young like not vaccinate, mm-hmm. like yeah. breastfeeding, like cloth diapering, like things that I thought would make a difference to them in their yeah. lives. But yet here I am forcing them to say hi to somebody that they didn't, they weren't ready to mm-hmm. say hi to. Did you ever experience something like that? Or was gentle parenting something you always practice?
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm really thankful that my perspective shifted a lot before I had babies. Now, my oldest um, is only just turned two so I haven't been a parent for years and years but I'm just really thankful that there were women around me um, and there were there was social media and stories being passed around and concepts being passed around that I was exposed to because I I hear you it is really hard to unravel some of those things that you've just grown up with as this is how it's done and right I mean yes as moms we we do our best to to kind of start organically and think of what's the best for our child but when you have those those perspectives concepts you know things that you do so deeply ingrained as this is just what you do it's hard to it's hard to know even what to question you know what i mean so um I was, I was definitely, when I was younger, told, you know, you you have to give a hug, you have to shake a hand, whatever, whatever. But I was also abused. So I remember just feeling so, I don't even know what the word is, but I, I was scared. I would dread greeting people, especially men. I didn't have that problem so much with women, but I remember just that feeling of dread. And even to this day, if, if a man tries to hug me or something like that, and it's not in an invitational way, it's in like a, you're getting a hug, (laughs) you know, here it is. (laughs) That, that still is like, Whoa, okay. Don't do that. (laughs) That, you you know, you you still need to respect as an adult, but. um, Yeah. So with my kids and, and my husband and I have talked about this quite a bit, just that, kids need to be be taught and encouraged to have boundaries and encouraged to have that space to understand you know if I'm not comfortable with this then I can say no and and I let my own kids I well my baby my youngest baby is one so she can't really say no right now she just gets all the kisses but my two-year-old if I ask for a kiss or a hug and he says, no, I say, okay, that's okay. You don't have to do that because even with me, I want him to know that you, you have your own space. You have, um, yeah, you, you, you can have those boundaries for your own body, even with your parents, which I think is so important that we model even in our own home with, I know he's comfortable with me. Like I know he's not scared of me, but I mean, yeah, if he's if he's not in the mood for it, I don't. He doesn't need to do that. It's not something I need. And it's interesting because I feel like it's it's more of an ego thing on the part of the adult because it's like, well, what do you mean you don't want to give me a kiss? Like, of course you should, you know. So be able to get ourselves right. out of the way, um, aunts and uncles and and friends and family and whatever, being able to just. Because cause it can feel offending if someone... It feels kind of rejecting, I guess. If, if you're like, hey, you want to give me a hug? And they're like, no. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but but right. being able to override that with it's not about me. It's about the child feeling respected and comfortable. And um, that's more important to me than, than adults feeling comfortable. And it can be awkward. It can be awkward when when a family member or something like that is like give me a hug you need to give me a hug before you can say goodbye it can be awkward as a parent to step in and be like actually you know he's not comfortable right now and it's okay if he says no (laughs) because our culture is so well so exactly
0: yeah our culture definitely is shifting Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. a way I think a lot of the things going on today are opening up more conversations and we have more people coming forward with their abuse. Yeah. I mean, I, like hats off to you. I mean, to, to open up about your abuse and, and especially on, on any sp- social media platform is not easy because you always have the someone who wants to victim blame and find a reason that it was your mm-hmm. fault, regardless of, of the yeah. age and, um, I have very open conversations with my children. We're we're very open with them and they curse. I I curse a lot. And I explain to them that they can be very bad words depending Mm -hmm. on how you use them. And you don't want to use them in a way to disrespect anyone. But if you stub your toe and say, fuck, I'm not going to be mad because that's the reaction that you felt in that moment. Mm Um, And I I talk to them a lot about, you know, respecting others, and not everyone is okay with with Mm -hmm. bad words. And you need to understand that somebody may find it really offensive if you, especially as a child, are using words that they don't believe you should be using, um, because that's not the way they grew up with, or that's just Mm -hmm. not the way that they parent. So... For me, I feel like sometimes I have to um, pre-warn people, if you will, when they're Mm -hmm. like coming over or whatnot. Like the other day I was talking (laughs) to the electric company and one of my kids like yelled at that shit. And I tried to mute, you know, as quickly as you can as a parent. And I'm like, I'm on a phone (laughs) call. And then she's like, oh, okay. So I'm like, please don't do it again and get back to the phone call. The guy's like <laughs> dying of laughter. And then <laughs> there it goes again. And I'm like, one second, sir. I'm like, seriously? She's like, oh, you were still talking? I thought you hung up. And I'm like, no. So I try to like tell them, like, I don't think that they should say it just to mm. say it. If it's, you know, <sighs> And and that's where you kind of struggle as a parent, as like, when is it okay for your child to do certain things and when mm, is it not? Yeah. So I, I take I I try to take those moments as to learning experiences and I'll, you know, ask them like, well, if you were talking to your friend and your brother, or your sisters in the background saying things that maybe would embarrass you, how would that make you mm-hmm. feel? And you know, it typically leads into the well, I wouldn't feel comfortable okay well I don't feel comfortable when I'm on a phone call and I I always pre-warn my kids like oh I'm gonna record a podcast or oh you know I'm gonna I have to make Mm -hmm. a phone call so that way they can be aware of their surroundings and at at the same time know that I'm not asking them to change who they are my son is horrible at homeschooling like that's not his Mm -hmm. favorite thing to do So with him, we have to do more of an unschooling Mm, approach. And it's adjusting to each of them a a little bit different because they're all Mm -hmm. so different. So I don't want to mold them into all be the same or be like every other child. I want, you know, for me, it's really important for them to become who they are and to continue to evolve their Mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. But, you know to also be respectful you can be who you are all the time there's just sometimes that you have to adjust to certain surroundings I curse all the time but I don't curse when I'm working so it's like if I can do that and I I, I don't feel like I'm having to be two different people although I think sometimes we say that we're too di- like we have to put on different hats but we're just making small adjustments because ultimately you are mm-hmm. who you are if yeah
1: I I don't think that's
0: really gonna change so that makes yeah absolutely I mean
1: the the things that you do at home playing is not the same things that you do when you're in like a symphony hall, right (laughs) it's just a different so certain things have have their appropriate moments and yeah I hear you (laughs) I love yeah so with them that's where I
0: We have six kids total. I have a bonus son from my husband's first marriage. And, oh, God, he just turned 16. And um, then, you know, we have five together. Our oldest is 11. And then our youngest is a year old. So, you know, each of them teaches me something that I can use Mm -hmm. for the next one. So now I'm getting to the puberty stage with a girl. and. You know, as I talk to her about those mm-hmm. bodily changes and trying to be autonomically correct and, you know, what a period mm-hmm. is and how this all happens. Then you have my other girls who are like, oh, well, what's that, mom? And I'm like, Well, oh, this is a pad. Oh, my three-year-old was like, why is it sticky on the side? And I'm like, yeah, good question. <laughs> and so you know what I'm trying to teach one still relates to the other two girls but just in a different way and I think that kind of helps that we have the open conversations but also that we homeschool that we can expose them to these kind of things
1: which is so huge so in a
0: yeah and then you you told me off um the air a little bit that you were actually homeschooled as well so I do you feel like you'll yes. homeschool absolutely with, with your children as well? I know that they're younger, so we, if you're like me, on that like you learn every day, and that is just considered mm-hmm. homeschooling as a general. But when it comes to their later years, do you think yes, they'll absolutely?
1: That same I love what you were saying about just how kids have such different needs, and um, being able to cater schooling to that is so huge and be able to, to raise right. them with perspectives that you want them to have, like just healthy perspectives, <laughs> um, being able to raise them right. with respect for each other, with respect for, for how our body functions. Like you were saying, having those open conversations, you, when you put a kid in a school system, they're just in the system and you're kind of at the mercy of what are their peers talking about? What, what's their teacher talking about? Uh, What is the curriculum saying? You know what I mean? Instead of being able to, to be intentional with creating that whole perspective of, of openness and respect, especially around things like sexual things and um, how your body works and that kind of thing. Right. They just, there's so much crudeness and so much disrespect and Mm -hmm. all kinds of nasty things surrounding that in, in the school system and among other things, but also being able to just cater to, like you were saying, one of your children does better with an an unschooling type approach versus another child might do better with sitting down with books. Or, um, I remember my, one of my sisters just excelled at math. Like she was so good at math And she was mostly two years ahead all the time in math um, because she would just blow through the math books because she loved it. Um, And in a school system, she wouldn't necessarily be able to bend toward her natural giftings that much because, well, you have to keep up in all of your subjects and you have to, you know, keep it balanced and whatever, whatever. But it's like, well, you know what, her, her science brain and her her arts brain and whatever those those pieces may not develop as fast and if she's catching up at age 13 versus age nine who cares right like (laughs) she's she's being encouraged to develop the gifts that God's given her and and it's a beautiful thing and I think that's something that's so sadly lost in the school system is not it's it's not set up to be able to really encourage each child to develop in the bent that they were created right and with the gifts that they were created to have and um yeah, but I mean, hey, you can homeschool. You can homeschool badly as well. Like, that is the thing. You can just get a curriculum and stuff all of your kids through it and not really gain much from it. So, I think that goes back to the perspective Great. of of having the um, the holistic, gentle parenting mindset of every child is different. Every child has, you know, different comfort zones with hugging. Every child has different abilities with other people. Every child has different abilities with with math and science and all the different components. And and that doesn't change from when they're two to when they're seven. It's just maybe with um, different scenarios. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Great. <laughs> It, it no, it definitely does. I mean, I, there are definitely things that I can do with one child that I cannot do with another that they don't like they my my son, Michael, he's nine and really does not like going mm-hmm. when I run my errands and um, <laughs> will flat out tell me i I don't want to go, so. then you come to those decisions or those conversations like well is my child ready and especially here in Tennessee where our our laws are different about when your child Mm -hmm. can stay home by themselves well is my child mature enough would my child know what to do Mm -hmm. in case of an emergency does my child know not to open doors and I'm not saying that in traditional school parents don't have these conversations but I think for some the conversations happen Later, as our child Mm. gets into the teenage years, where I feel like I can see my child develop in a way where I can see that they're responsible. My Mm. son loves to cook and he knows certain meals, and those are the only meals that he'll cook. But when my husband's in the kitchen, we try to get them to come down because then goes math and reading, you know, when we do our recipes and figuring out how much we need of what. And so for us, I buy a curriculum and I find that this is like my third year into it. And I find that I mm-hmm. don't use it all the time. I'll refer to it every once in a while, I'll pull something mm-hmm. out and kind of see where they are. And for me, I find that if I teach them a lesson or we're working on something and if they know how to do it, I'm not going to sit on that same lesson right. for four days Because that's what I'm told I have to do. Okay, we know this. Great. Let's move on to something else. What's something else you want to learn about? Or he's really big into watching um, YouTube. But when I walk in, I feel like all he ever watches is like those annoying voices. Lord, be with me. When I walk in and I hear those horrible YouTube voices. And I'm like, all right, can we change this? And he's like, yeah, okay. And he'll find something else. But um, he'll come to me with some amazing facts that I had Mm -hmm. absolutely no idea about or he'll come to me with questions. And I'm like, I honestly don't know, like that's something we Mm -hmm. have to do some research on. And then I was like, see, this is when you do the internet comes in handy, because I won't Mm -hmm. always have the answer for everything. And now we have to Mm -hmm. learn some more. And for us, that's what's kind of made it to where homeschooling just works. We can have, you know, one lesson one day and jump mm-hmm. completely to another lesson or wait, that lesson wasn't completely caught. Let's go over it again yeah. and see if you yeah, understand absolutely. it. Absolutely. And and giving that. Me- so mm. for us, it's been a saving Being great. able to give them the
1: just, oh, the incredible beauty of freedom. Yeah. And also just the, the, the hunger to learn because some kids are just naturally bookworms and they do really well in a school setting. They do well in any setting where they had books. Right. But a lot of kids are just, they just have to go to school because that's just what they have to do. And you're basically sending them to like, it's like a an adult having to go to a job that they hate every day, but they just have to go because they have to make money and they just don't see another way out. A <laughs> kid uh, Just being forced to go to school and right. do what is required of them. Um, doesn't develop their hunger to learn because they might just learn in a different way, or they might not be ready for um, <laughs> certain concepts at certain ages. Right. Like my, she was ready for like grade nine math when she right. was in grade seven. That was just her. But if you had put me in grade seven math when I was in grade seven, I don't know if math was an issue for me. I'm trying to even remember, but let's just say it was a hard for me and I had to stick with my grade. Right. That would be incredibly frustrating and defeating for me instead of to be able to say, you know what, let's just set this aside. Like you were saying, you know, this, this didn't really stick well. It was not working so well it's you set it aside and, and come back to it and um, it's amazing when you can just just flow with the child's mind and the child's development how learning becomes exciting instead of a dread and in huh. the end they come out a lot exactly. better because they're able to they're able to continue learning and this is something that I found sorry I'm just closing my curtain here This is something I found with not all homeschools and not all public schools, but or public school kids. But a common theme I find is homeschoolers are taught to, or come out with a a perspective of, "I I can figure it out. I can learn how to do it. I can, I can think it through. I can problem solve. And I find a lot of people who are sent through the system come out with, well, I just have to do what the system tells me. I just have to go get a job. I just have to do what everybody else does. I, you know what I mean? There's just a a different perspective. I find a lot of homeschoolers are like entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and think outside the box. And I don't know how to start a business, but I'm going to go and figure it out. Or I don't know how to, how to, I don't know, change oil in my car, but I'm going to go figure it out. Right. We just have that. We can, like I said, I mean, depending on, (laughs) on the parent who's teaching it or depending on the teacher who's teaching it. Um, but I just find that that's a common theme of right. such a different take on learning f- moving forward like I don't I don't have to go to a university to learn I'll just learn uh, So I think that's really cool right
0: Yeah, I definitely can relate to that I mean I was not homeschooled my mom that that was not something she was gonna ever take take on um but she was a single mom who you know would work two jobs to make sure Mm. ends were met and food was on the table and you know I definitely have had to go back because I was that troubled teen Mm. like for me I just liked being alone I didn't really care to have um friends around or party or like my siblings were younger than me and they would smoke weed and back then Mm -hmm. to me we was like a drug like you don't smoke weed like you're gonna go to jail and you're gonna be like a delinquent and then now as an adult I'm like well I'm stressed and I don't feel that same way and it took me years to even like think about trying it like my husband and I had like I said at the the beginning have been together um 13 years and I had seen him do it and he's like you want and I'm like "Uh, (laughs) yeah no I'm not going to jail like you're crazy and he's he's Dominican so he is darker skinned and I I remember him going to hang out with his friends and him calling me one day and he said well, hun, um we just got pulled over and I said, "Why?" and he's like, "For nothing." And I was like, "Do you have weed in the car?" And he's like, "No, we don't have anything." We left the mm. gas station and they pulled us over and it was just like a higher area or whatever. I guess mm. chances of somebody having drugs on them. And he's like, "We're fine," but they were just so mm. bad. And that wasn't his first experience dealing with it, with things like that. So when I started looking into homeschooling um, curriculums, I didn't want a, mm. I guess it's often referred yeah. to as a whitewashed curriculum. Yeah. I wanted factual information. So I found um, a homeschooling curriculum that I actually really liked. It was, it's called, um, called Oh Freedom. And it just goes into, it's a full curriculum and, and the creator of it basically says if you're going to do it and you're going to do it honestly it'll probably take you two years and they don't even recommend it until your kids are in at least third grade Mm. because some of the conversations can be difficult but they talk Mm. about the Native Americans and before Christopher Columbus Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah. you know slavery and all of these topics and I went online and I ordered all of the books that would go along with this um, curriculum and it's been my mission to start with them but I want my children Mm. to be ready to have some of these conversations um Mm -hmm. to the depth that I would like to have them with them um so when certain things happen and we see them on social media we don't have Mm -hmm. cable TV so I don't really worry about the news but when certain things are happening um I will bring up these conversations with them and tell them, you know, Hey, this is what's going on. What do mm, you guys yeah. think? You know, let, let's let talk about this because mm-hmm. my boys are darker skin than my girls. So I want them to know that what they're going to experience is going to be different and how they can help support their brothers and other members of the community in general, when we face these kinds of issues and you know, in school. I mean, I just saw on Facebook that UPS for the first time is now allowing um, the Black community to have their natural hairstyles. And I was like, yeah, but it's the way that they were born. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. not, what are you supposed to do? And I, I hadn't, I didn't even know that that Mm -hmm. was a thing until it came across social media. And I mean Mm -hmm. half the time I can't even get my kids to want to brush their hair so I'm like I can't imagine having to tell you know a job telling them well you can't be who you are and so I just encourage them like you were saying to do whatever's going to make them happy in the sense again of not you know Mm -hmm. disrespecting anyone or putting anyone in harm but having these conversations where you're in charge of your own body and you make your decisions and you know, through homeschool, yes. you don't have to sit in a desk the yes. whole day and be told yeah. when you can go and where you can go. Um mm-hmm. you're ultimately yeah. in charge. So I I think that you know, our our parenting is in the in the right um uh, direction and you know, we're gonna come across speed bumps, but we will be able yeah. to address yeah. those
1: speed bumps as they come up. And it's I love um, I love that intuitive so, parenting um, is mm-hmm, good becoming more something that's more talked about because that's really what you have to do, right? Like you, every child is so different. Every situation is so different. And if we're looking to a book or a list of to do's and don'ts or whatever, we're just going to pull our hair out because, <laughs> and I, I think that's why so many people are so frustrated and so, quick to you know send their child to daycare or send their child to school or send their child to whatever because they're just like there's such a disconnect I think of what motherhood is supposed to look like and what family is supposed to look like and what what schooling is supposed to look like it's not it's not a sit down learn all your numbers and learn all your whatever right it's schooling is yes learning to read and write and do math is is important but honestly I'd rather my child have good character and I'd rather my child respect other people and I'd rather my child have life skills than just know how to regurgitate an answer and go to university and get a job. And like, really, is that, is that our end goal in life? And how many people, how many people were, were and are so successful and had like an eighth grade education or were homeschooled? Or whatever like my husband was very unschooled <laughs> he did have books and stuff like that but his mom was kind of like here's a book mm-hmm. go do this and he's like well sometimes I would do it sometimes I wouldn't but but he played music a lot he's an incredible drummer now and um he didn't have he doesn't have a high school diploma he doesn't have any kind of second post-secondary education but he made he has a or he had a flooring business in Canada and he made more than I'm not going to say all of his friends, but probably most of all of his friends. And that's not a, that's not a like, Oh, I'm richer than you, but it's just an example. You don't have to, you don't have to go through the norm and the system to be successful. Actually the most people, the people who are the most successful are the people who break out of the system and just use the the raw skills and the raw talents and and their giftings um, and not kind of stuff that into well it has to look this way and you have to have a degree and you have to <laughs> anyways that's a whole nother topic but it's just so cool
0: yeah yeah no but there's a lot of artists yeah famous people making cuckoo freaking bucks that Mm-hmm. did not graduate high school that did not go to college and my husband likes listening to a podcast A podcast called drink Champs, and it's like rappers and whatnot get together and they literally get drunk while they record the podcast but they have conversations and mm-hmm. I've heard him listening to it because they also show it on YouTube and um they're the way they speak is like it leaves you with your mouth open because here they are rapping and mm-hmm. you know not everybody loves rap music and that's fine um, but drugs money whatever and we all can't always relate to it we may like a song but we can't relate to it and then here you hear them mm-hmm. talking about you know how they got started and how they grew up and you're like oh wow I went through that I can relate to them on that level and all of those things kind of open your eyes to more mm-hmm. or hearing them say, like, I didn't graduate high school. My husband, I, I when I was 17, mm-hmm. again, I was the troubled teen because I would sneak out. Um, but just to be by myself, like, I didn't really do anything. And my mom was yeah. more concerned that I would be a, a teenage mom. And um, it worried her. But we did not have the open conversations that we have to Mm. that we she and I have now we've definitely grown a lot um, since I became a mom of my own and, you know, we've gone through bumping heads together and then growing and then we'll bump and grow a little bit more, but in a respectful way she understands Mm -hmm. that my decisions are my decisions and I'll ask her for her opinion but that's all that it is, is an opinion. and and I I I love her for supporting me and understanding that that is the way it's just going to be but um you know I I, when I was 17 my the Mm. point of the story was so when I was 17 she dropped me out of school and um I wasn't going to graduate on time and um in in the keys where I grew up you had to have more credits than you had to have in any other places so prior to that I was living with my dad in Miami and Mm. he kicked me out because I had a boyfriend and that that was just it and I with him sex he wanted to have those open conversations and would be the one to be like well you're not going to get in trouble let's talk and he was the first person I felt like I could talk to uh, openly about it and and really learn more about what I was feeling and what I felt like I was going through but then would ground you because you admitted something and I think that also had to influence with the way that I parent and trying so hard to be a different type of parent with my kids but so he kicked me out. My mom picked me up. I didn't have enough credits to graduate in the keys with my original classmates. So she dropped me out and um, I didn't, I didn't graduate. I didn't get a diploma. So I, I had a friend who talked to me about getting a GD, and it would, it doesn't even say okay. GD on it. It still says like high school diploma, whatever. And um. So I did it and years later when I tried enrolling in college they were like well this isn't a certified program. Oh wow. You can't enroll here until you certify and I was like but it's a diploma Mm. like isn't a diploma diploma and they're like no it has to be certified. So I had to pay for another GED program and took the test and it was all straight to the point whatever and that became certified and I tried going to college and when I sat in the classroom Mm -hmm. I realized that once again I'm being groomed to think like every other person around me and it wasn't it was not for me I at Mm -hmm. that point I had too much unschooling I'd done on my own to Mm -hmm. think that I now I have to learn English all over again because I don't put, you know, an apostrophe where you think it should go. Like, this is an opinion at this point. And um, so I, he often will often have conversations and I talk to him a lot about birth because that's just something that I love, but we'll have conversations about anything. And he's like, how do you know this information? I was like, I honestly don't know. I just research and learn and read and whatever. So he will tell people at work, like my wife didn't really graduate high school. She has a GED, Mm -hmm. but she basically just did it to do it. And, you know, she'll have conversations (laughs) and run you around the block with the conversations that she'll have Mm -hmm. vaccines for, you know, things that I truly do care about. So it helps, you know, it's amazing for somebody who he does have his associates agree to acknowledge yeah. that just because you don't have the same level of education yes. does not mean yes. that you're less
1: than yes. your journey it's was so just different. like you're saying we're so groomed and programmed in the system to think that there's no other way outside the system and it has to be this set of rules and this way and this time and this whatever <laughs> and it's like you were saying it's just not true um so much of it comes down to, are we, are we willing to learn? And are we, what kind of a person are we? And the an example that comes to mind is, um, so I'm a trained actor and model as well. Right. And one of my instructors told us this story that um, there was a, I, I'm trying to remember how t- how tall she was. She was like five foot Let's just say five foot two. And she, she, okay, five foot two models do not walk the runway because you have to be, I think it's close to six feet or over six feet to walk the runway. There's like within a couple inches that you have to be to walk the runway, certain size, certain whatever. And she was like, let's say five foot two. And um, because of her character and because of how she treated people, she went into, I don't remember who, what office she was, but it was in a very prestigious office (laughs) and she was talking to Mm -hmm. one of the ladies and the lady called the top floor and she was like, custom make a dress for this girl. She's walking the runway. I don't care. (laughs) And that was just because she treated people well. She honored them. She loved them. She respected them. And she, as a five foot two or however short she was she was very short um walked a runway in a custom-made dress because of it and I just love that because because we're so programmed to think that degrees and letters and letters behind her name and education and you know how many years experience or are we a perfect size or are we a perfect shape or are we a perfect height really when it comes down to it we're we're Mm -hmm. human (laughs) and and if you are a jerk and you have your PhD I'm sorry but they're gonna choose the nice person who maybe doesn't even have a high school education because you're a nasty person to be around and that doesn't go every single um profession out there
0: but well my brother graduated and he often it it, it, this is one of the, the hard conversations my brother and I have because he'll often be like well I'm the only one who graduated from college mm-hmm. and has a college yeah. degree and whatever and I said but are you working in the field that you mm-hmm. say you want to work in do you have the job that you want to have mm-hmm. and he's like well no and I said that has to do with your attitude the way you talk to people matters and he's like yeah but we have similar attitudes and I said I, I do I've, I have mm-hmm. a very strong attitude but I know when and where to use it Mm-hmm. And I know how to be respectful and still prove my point. I said, you, you struggle with that. And that's not something that you do. <laughs> like, he'll get mad at somebody and threaten yeah. to beat them up. And I'm like, that's just not how conversations work. Like people are not going to hire you when one second. You seem cool the next second. And, and he does, he, he deals with mental health issues and I know that has to do with it. And mm-hmm. he takes his medication. So he's been growing a lot. I don't want to take that from him, but we all know that regardless of anything that we deal with the demons in our past, the troubles we've gone through, the obstacles we've already overcome, they all still sit there waiting for that moment where they're going to be needed again, I guess, you know, it's just something that you deal with on a, on a constant basis. And I often have to tell him like, It's okay for you not to get along with everybody or for you to have difficulties with one thing or another, but you need to be able to say what you're feeling in a respectful way or walk away from the situation until you can and then come back to it. And when you can do that, then you'll have that dream job you've always wanted he got a job in human resources or something. I said, can you imagine somebody in re- human resources telling me to go mm-hmm. screw myself because they're having a bad day? I was like, it doesn't, that that just can't happen. And, you know, then he will calm down and we'll continue <laughs> to have the conversation or he'll be too upset and he'll hang up on me and call again later. But, mm. you know, at least I feel like I've made some type of impact in having that conversation because yeah even if you hang up with somebody because you're extremely upset the conversation doesn't really end there you still (laughs) hang up and have like an internal dialect of like what you're feeling or whatever so at the end you're still talking about it and you're still going through the motions but that's um, definitely something that he and I have have had to Mm -hmm. talk about is you know college degrees don't always mean everything I've had Mm -hmm. you know jobs with no college degrees with amazing pay because I can I have the ability to perform the job duties and my customer service is on point I'm a people person I can do it so I was like don't get me wrong I may mute them or you know whatever after the call and be like oh that person was horrible but to them in that moment I just push through it I do what I have to do and I'll remind people, you know, I'm mm, doing the best that yeah. I can to help you. That's I ask good. for respect because I'm giving mm-hmm. you respect. You know, all of those things ultimately have to do with being better people ourselves and being better with our businesses as doulas, with being um, mm-hmm. better as, you know, parents, as spouses, as yeah, anything. Yeah. I mean, it can relate to any part of your life. Michelle, I want to thank you so much for taking time away from your family and your busy schedule to um, sit down and talk with me today and help record this podcast. I absolutely, um, you know, have nothing else to say other than to thank you for your bravery and everything that we discussed. Do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and um, where we can find you on social media?
1: You can find me on Instagram. My I think it's called a handle. Is life period with a sparkle? So life with a sparkle. Um, my first name is Michelle. Last name is Annes, Ans A N S. And then you can also find me on Facebook at Michelle Ans. And um, so I guess a little bit about what you'll find on my social media accounts is we are full time RV living right now. We actually just moved to the states from Canada a couple months ago and we've been on the road for about six months and that has been an adventure with two little kids, (laughs) but it's been good. So you'll find some information about RV living um, and just what that looks like. And then I also am super passionate about birth and health as well. So you'll find some information about that on there and just me sharing my, my journey. I am a free birth doula. Um, for the most part, I support women a lot online right now, just because we've been moving a lot. So I don't have like an established practice where I take clients in all the time. But um, yeah, I am a, a free birth do I love supporting women and answering their questions and just helping them understand what their what their rights are, if they're going to a hospital birth or a midwife birth, and if they're doing like a free birth, home birth, encouraging them um, equipping them with tools and perspectives and stuff like that for the journey. And, um, you'll also find a lot of information about health and gut health and mental health and all things health. (laughs) I, I struggled for years with my health, um, to name a few things was just chronic exhaustion and anxiety and depression and pain, fibromyalgia, migraines, headaches, all all the things that come along with that. My thyroid was out of whack. Like I was just, I was a mess. Um, And I've been able to turn that around with simple natural tools, which I'm so thankful. And I love supporting um, other people through their health journeys, whatever they're dealing with. And yeah, just journeying with them and helping them thrive the way that their body was designed to thrive. So I also, um, my husband and I are musicians. (laughs) <laughs> we have a lot of passions, I guess. <laughs> we just love ministry. We love Jesus. We love serving other people. So you'll um, hear a lot about my my faith and what I'm journeying through as well. And I mean, yeah, just like real life. I try to be really, really raw and honest and I'm not necessarily a sugar So you might, you might see some blunt things there, <laughs> but um, I always try to try to do it in love and not in an abrasive way because we need to be we need to be honest but we don't have to be rude about it so <laughs> if you like things sugar coated then you might not like me but if you like
0: exactly. just honesty
1: then come join me <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I, I I think that this was just an incredible experience for us to be able to talk and one day we're actually going to have to get you in the RV and everybody pulled up to our yeah. neighborhood and in, in our house. That way we can get the kids to play and definitely record another podcast. I think that would be an incredible day of having mm-hmm. yeah. fun and running <laughs> the kids around. Well, them running around us. Um <laughs> But we'll definitely have to plan something. I, I so appreciate you tuning in and listening to us uh, just chat about pregnancy and birth. And Michelle, you did so amazing. I, I thank you so much for taking time. This thank is you. definitely thank a, you for a great having experience. Me. And I really look forward to, to chatting with you again soon. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. I really do appreciate your time. And I again, a special thank you to Michelle for taking time away from her family to be part of today's podcast. Again, I want to remind you all that you do have the option to send us messages with any questions or comments that you have. And of course, we will play them on our podcast so you can hear us get back to you um, in a personal manner. I really do hope you guys have a great weekend and we'll see you again next week. Thanks guys. Take care.